Too many flicks. What's happening? This How's is episode going? four. What? 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 One, two, three, four. four. <laughs> All right. So they say good things come in threes, but we took it a step further. We're bringing it to good things coming fours. Yep. That. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that plays well, out. Yep. All right. So. Uh, <laughs> Usually we start out with tasty trailers, but I know what's on everyone's mind, and it's the Oscars. Um, just happened mm-hmm. on Sunday. Yep, we got um, some thoughts about that. Some interesting things. And we're going to go ahead, and I'm going to list off a few things, and then we can talk about what interests us most about what happens at the Oscars. That sounds great. Take sounds us great. away. All right, so first things first, Regina King wins for Best Supporting Actress, uh, which is great. Um, also, Olivia Coleman wins for Best Actress. Mahershali wins for Best Actor, and Green Book wins Best Picture, question mark? In addition to a record number of wins for people of color in the film community, I believe Belchler became the first black person to win an Oscar for production design for her work on Black Panther, and Carter's win also for her work on Black Panther is the first time a black person has won the Oscars for costume design. Which is wild. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, So great night for people of color. And then towards the end, not such a great night. There are some high highs and some low lows. lows. Uh, Anything in that that you might want to dissect and talk about, Firsty? Oh, man. Like, where to begin? As you said, there were some great triumphs. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think in the first half hour, pretty much... Everyone that I saw that that was winning was it was a person of color who was finally being acknowledged for their work work or or a woman in a, in an area that has been predominantly male dominated. Mm-hmm. So we saw the Oscars trying to make a lot of progress, but to talk about those low lows, I feel like it was a real step back when they finally announced the award winner for best film, and it's Green Book, and I, yeah. I think a lot of people were caught off guard by that. Especially when this is something that I think is a credit to Viggo Mortensen. They do right. the cutaway to Viggo Mortensen during the director's speech, oh, and he did not look pleased. He was just stone faced. Oh, no. I, I don't know if you heard about uh-huh. this. I learned about this backstory recently. So, okay, okay, uh, break it down, break it down. Mahersha Ali's character uh-huh. did not want to sell the rights to his story. Whoa! He didn't want to sell the rights to right. his story. His family didn't want to sell the rights to the story. So, what the movie studio did was like, Okay, mm-hmm. then we're gonna like buy the rights to the white dude's story and have you be a character Damn. in it. And that's how they got the movie made. And none of the actors knew this during the production. Wow. And then after production, they all found out, which is why they all looked kind of sour oh, as wow. things were being announced. So <laughs> they're like, what the fuck? Like- and so, like, yeah, when the director specifically, like, right. I wanna thank Vigo, they do a cutaway to him. And Vigo's not smiling. Vigo's just staring straight ahead. He's wow. got he's got his professional face on, but you can tell that he's like, fuck this shit. Wow, that that actually warms my heart a little bit, because I didn't know who was aboard it. Like, I, I thought maybe he was like, yeah, I love this movie. Like, fuck all the backlash. I'm so glad that at least all of the actors and everyone else on board was just like, oh, now that we know, this is some bullshit. No one had any idea right. until after the production. And I think... How tone deaf does the Academy have to be? I want to come back to that. But B, how tone deaf does the director have to be to see all this backlash Mm. about your film where everyone's like, yo, this is a white savior story. You're not actually respecting the wishes of the people of color who were actually in danger during this story. And then he's just a white dude that talks for the entire two minutes. Like he had (laughs) people on stage that would have been a better representative to like talk about why this film 
maybe quote unquote should have been important, right. even though it missed the mark. And he just hogged the mic the whole time. I was just it's it's it is perplexing. I think that's the best word to use because absolutely it's so much backlash, and you would just think like, okay, we should listen. Like, and not only is it backlash because of the content of the film. But because there were better films. Like, it was yeah. literally not a great movie. Absolutely. So, like, yeah, Roma, which was groundbreaking. Black Panther, which was groundbreaking. You have uh, The Favorite. Like, you have so many, like, top contenders mm -hmm. that this was in, like, practically no one. Like, all of the analysts and, like, the these quote-unquote experts about the Best Picture nominations. Uh, when picking what will win... That wasn't on very few people's list, and it just goes to show you, like, they were trying to be woke, but they still sleeping. Like, I want to say it was Vox. I read an article from yeah. Vox that I think hit the nail on the head. Mm -hmm. Like, the Oscars, while trying to, their, their headline to summarize essentially was the Oscars, while trying to move forward, proves that they're still stuck in the same spot. Right. Yeah. With the with the win of Green Book, like that's what their whole article was about. They did a very good write up on it. Um. And I think they hit the nail on the head there. Like mm -hmm. the Oscars were trying to be like, look at how progressive we are. Right. We're really acknowledging other people's art, even though it's deserved to be acknowledged for decades now. <laughs> and they they took one step forward and like three steps back. Yeah, it was wild, man. It's just, come on, guys. Like, come on. Like, it's just right. like, really? There were some highs at this there are Oscar. Some highs. Also, Rami Malek won um, for Best Actor. I wanted to put that out there. Um, and also, real quick, I want to mention the movies that these acting and actresses nominations were um, for. So Olivia Coleman was for The Favorite. Regina King was If Beatles Street Could uh, Talk. Marshali was Green Book. And Rami Malek was Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody thank which, I, which I have mixed feelings about. Right. Uh, you know, as, as a non-LGBTQ person, mm -hmm. I didn't see the film because right. I heard a lot of people in that community upset that they would tell this story about an individual and straight wash him when for yeah. that time period what truly not only made him revolutionary but was big a big part of his revolutionary image was right. that he was so bold and open about his sexuality and what he stood for mm -hmm. and the fact that you completely exclude that from a biopic about him it, it feels kind of icky oh most definitely uh from what i understand is that they mention it briefly but that was his whole i not his whole identity obviously he was a, a musician and all these other really interesting aspects but he was very prominent right. about being a bisexual man like this is who i am and you just can't gloss over that especially in an age where it was so frowned upon right yeah exactly i think a lot of that has to contribute to uh the band having a, a huge finger on the piece just to kind of make it like well, it was more about the music and not about that. But no, if you're going to mention his Freddie Mercury's life, this wonderful, wonderful individual, you have to mention that. Like, he had a lover. He loved him. Like, ah, it's just such a disappointment. But from what I hear, is the, the, his performance is really good. In the clips you see of him, he captures the energy very well. And good good for him. He he is an accomplished performer who deserves the recognition. Who's Egyptian. Which is he's really first cool. generation American. He's right. from immigrant parents, right. which is awesome. I just wish it had been for a more yeah. truthful project. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, people mad because Bradley Cooper didn't win that. And I can understand because he taught himself how to play guitar. 
and like and how to sing. sing. Yeah. How to fucking sing. That <laughs> that was wild. so that was one of the highs from the Oscars, right, I yeah. think, was that that performance, that live oh, fucking yeah. performance between Cooper and uh, Lady Gaga. Oh, yeah. They made sweet passionate love after that. Ooh! Hey, let's, let's like, ooh, Did I you feel see gross. that little like that little like yeah. look over? Like they, they oh, hit no. the last note, they're harmonizing, and like he like looks over, he's like, God, you're so good. And right. she looks at him and she's like, You so good. It's like are we gonna oh, fuck or what? Like, oh. <laughs> that's great. I think I think it's wonderful that they have such a such a close relationship. It really shows that they bonded over the course of that movie, right. and I'm glad that it got some recognition. And it was great to see Lady Gaga win. Yes, that's one of the big things too. That's yes. a very high high for this night. I think yeah. that Regina King, Mahershala Ali, uh, like the past couple of years, he's has he has two Oscars. A black man has two Oscars within like like three years of each other like that's crazy that's a that's amazing we will touch on this a little bit later on the podcast but into the spider-verse wins for animated uh film yes, yes i'm glad huh. that i'm glad one because you know pixar will pull it out out of nowhere sometimes but we'll, we'll we'll discuss that a little bit more yeah oh before we move on to these trailers i like to mention how glenn close just can't win one. Um, oh. And I don't understand. I, I, I know Olivia Coleman had a fantastic performance, but Glenn Close was so close. No! no I you can't take help that myself. back. How it is struck I from can't the record. Help Let the record show I did not support that pun. <laughs> yes, it was good, oh, but I don't support it. Oh, dude, she's like the anti Meryl Streep. Like, as soon, oh. if you know she's in a category, you know she ain't winning. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, but oh, God, I hope before, like, I have kids. She wins one, but well, I, she's a fantastic actor. I am sure that she will win one. I particularly liked her reaction to uh, Billy, Billy Porter. Porter's outfit. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. She was like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> she like, she like had a mini orgasm know, right yeah. there. She was just like, this is life. I know. And yes. it was fantastic. She's like, yes, queen. Yeah. The whole her body was <laughs> so she does. She loses, but she ultimately wins the night, like mm-hmm. she always does. Yep. Uh, speaking of which, speaking of winning and being the very best that no one ever was, we're going to get into tasty trailers. And the first trailer that I have to talk about is the second trailer, Detective Pikachu, which comes out May the 10th. It's yep. directed by Rob Letterman, starring Ryan Reynolds and Justice Smith. Now, the synopsis, brief synopsis really quick, a young man joins forces with Detective Pikachu to unravel the mystery behind his father's disappearance. What did you think of this second trailer? Because, whoo boy, let me tell you. This, uh-huh. this movie has no right to look so good. Not at all. No it, damn it, right. how, how dare they? <laughs> how dare they do so well? I, I am so excited. I am so pleased. But I, I'm... Also incredibly nervous because right. it looks so good. The expectations are so high. Right. I, I, it, it's got to live up to it. You know, um, right. we get a reveal that Mewtwo is a part of this, which is mind blowing. What? what? Right, yeah, I know. Uh, Mewtwo is a part of. He looks good. It. He looks dope as hell. I know, like, yeah. which raises the question: Are we going to see Mew? Ooh. If Mewtwo is in it, generally Mew is not far behind. Right. Uh, yeah, that's true. And I, I think that this new trailer is good. It shows us a little bit more of the intrigue that we're going to be experiencing with this. 
That's what that's what I think Detective Pikachu really needs to nail. It's got the humor down. We can right. tell from the trailer. It has to have a good mystery. Right. I know. It's very true. This needs to be like a solid Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. meets anime. Yeah. I, you know, I am pleasantly surprised too about this. How This is the way they introduce a live action Pokemon film. It looks like it has all the elements. Well, I think one thing that makes it intriguing right now is that it's self-aware. If you do something like this, any True. anime, you just have to be self-aware. He's like, you know what you're dealing with. You know it's silly. You know it like upon first like glance, you're gonna be like, what is this? Like just lean <laughs> heavily into that. And that's what they do. And you can tell in the humor and like Pikachu is just so cute. And it just so like, cute. it makes no sense how amazing and like interesting this looks. Like I really hope there are some really heartfelt moments, which I think there might be because of the disappearance of this young man's father. Like certainly, yeah. I, I think if they can just find a way to pull on the heartstrings just a little bit without being overbearing, this movie could end up being a huge success. You've got your built-in audience. Yeah, like you've got all of us that remember Pokemon being on the morning cartoons and like mm-hmm. watching it every morning. Right. I think if you do manage to straddle that line between a serious film with gravity. Mm-hmm on an emotional level mm-hmm. with the silly humor that like anyone can connect to be it an 8-year-old or a 38-year-old you will have a huge win right you will yeah i mean again i just want to hear that iconic music too like i hope it's played at some point it's played in the trailer like the little just bit, a little they, bit. They give a little bit of the melody i yeah. want to hear it i know they're they're teasing us with it like, it better be in the middle of an awesome action sequence where it is. I'm willing to bet that at some point, like, right. we are going to see something, someone like Jigglypuff right. or Pikachu just, like, break out, right. like, or at least Easter egg it for right. us. Right, please. Um, oh, I'm wondering if it's going to touch on sort of environmentalist or conservationist uh, themes. Because yeah. something that struck me, like, my main question is raised, that's raised by this trailer is... They're trying to solve the disappearance of Harry. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it James? Who, Justice Smith's character named James? his name is James. Um, his father him. Harry's disappearance. I'm curious what spurs that disappearance. In the trailer, this particular trailer, we see a lot of laboratory settings. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if there isn't some sort of genetic modification animal testing oh, going on, yeah. which would be very, very topical theme. It'd be right. a very topical theme mm-hmm. for today's world where consumers are more conscious mm-hmm. of animal testing on products consumers are more conscious of factory conditions in terms of like where their food comes from right That's and all true. this stuff this one of the biggest like i think foreshadowing moments of that would be probably the appearance of mewtwo he is a result of he dna result of engineering yeah so they could be teasing us with that um i think this movie is going to do really well i will be Definitely first in line to see this. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's going to take off. You know another thing that's going to take off? Rocket Man, which comes out May the 31st, directed by Dexter Fletcher, starring Taron Egerton and Richard Madden. It's an epic musical fantasy about the uncensored human story of Sir Elton John's breakthrough years. And see, this... I think this movie is going to be much better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Right I think there, so too. it's an uncensored human story. Mm-hmm. They're not filtering it through 
the concern of what's going to appeal no. to the mass of everyone. They're just going to tell you Elton John's mm-hmm. real story. You think they did that on purpose? You I, think they mentioned that oh, on purpose? They absolutely, totally did. They absolutely. Totally did. If any producer that's working on this film had any sort of finger to the pulse of the internet, they heard the backlash mm-hmm. from Bohemian Rhapsody, and they're like, we need to quell those fears right now. Right. This is the full story. You're getting the Elton John story. There's actually a video of Taryn... Um, singing with Elton, with Elton John. John. I was just about to talk about Another this. Another burn. <laughs> and he sounds fantastic, by the way. He, he sounds, sounds like so a young good. Elton John. Because wasn't, wasn't Bohemian Rhapsody dub- dubbed? Yeah, it was. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, he didn't sing at all. Th- yeah. What? I know. I know. Well, maybe he just can't sing. I mean, like, it's... That's fair. Freddie Mercury's range is insane. Is, is percent. That's 100% valid. Right, yeah. But the fact that we will have... It's going to be a legit movie musical. Oh, yeah. No. And that is that is what Elton John would want yeah. or does want because he's still around. It's going to be like a fucking fever dream, too. It's just going to be crazy as hell. Just like some stuff. It's going to blend the line between fact and fiction, which I think is going to be really interesting. <laughs> there was someone... I forget where I read or heard this, but they said, I feel like the only way you can tell Elton John's story... Mm-hmm. Is through his fantasies. Right. Like you, we have to take you into the fantasies of Elton John so that oh, you understand that's the so man. Cool. Yeah, I think it really puts a cool spin on like a biopic too. Like, mm-hmm. which I think uh, Get On Up, the James Brown movie, kind of did as well. But in certain aspects, although that turned into more of a fluff piece, uh, to be honest. But it's still a good movie. But that's kind of the same vein of what I think this Elton John piece will be and I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it man fuck ugly dolls this will be the musical yeah. experience of the fuck year ugly dolls ugly dolls is to Boston as Boston is to shit uh, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> you gotta keep working on those yeah, I told right. Ben that he could burn Boston <laughs> once an episode but it's gotta be super clever so listeners keep right. your ear out we need to rate the cleverness I'm going to clock that in at like a three out of five. That wasn't my best. You could do better. That wasn't my best Boston bird. I'm sorry. I I just like, you know what? I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to get my feet wet. And it was like, (laughs) no. Ah, shit. Fuck Boston. Anyway. uh, (laughs) One out of five. One out of five. One out of five. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah, today's just not my day. Uh, No, you got it. You'll get it. I think it's going to be that really cool, chaotic feel. It's going to be like uh, no holds bar about his life. And you know what else is no holds bar? And like kind of like out of there and like a gunslinging flick. Oh, man. That's right. It's the kid. These transitions. Uh, these transitions. I'm working on them. You're crushing them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Look, I'm trying <laughs> new stuff. It's our fourth episode. We got to get tight, son. Keep it tight. Keep it right. <laughs> uh, the kid comes out March the 8th. It's directed by Vincent D'Onofrio, which is very interesting. I didn't, I didn't know he directed stuff. So. That's um, awesome. Yeah. It's also starring Vincent, Chris Pratt, and Ethan Hawke. On the run in the American Southwest, a boy encounters the infamous outlaw Billy the Kid and the legendary lawman Pat Garrett. So, what was your take on this film, Ian? I'm gonna kick it off to you, buddy. Sure. So, I didn't know a lot about Billy the Kid. Mm-hmm. I actually thought that he was a lot more villainous and terrible than. Uh, he appears to be right. still not a great person. He murdered eight people. Right. <laughs> but you know, uh, in a lot of in a lot of witness accounts, right. some of those murders were like it was him or the other person. Right. So after doing a little more research on Billy the Kid, I felt a little bit more reassured as to making of the movie. I think that nowadays we don't really need movies that take villainous people and like make them heroic. Right. We've kind of had a problem with that in the past few years, obviously. Mm-hmm. 
That being said, this looks like a, a straight-up love letter to all the classic westerns. You have all those western uh, thematic uh, mm. arcs. It's definitely catered to a hyper-masculine audience. Oh, most definitely. But yeah. I feel like that's 90% of westerns. And honestly, I shouldn't be too critical. My favorite western is Shanghai Noon. Oh. Like, <laughs> like I've, yeah. seen, I've seen Fistful of Dollars. I've seen right. a few dollars more. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. I've seen all the spaghetti westerns and stuff, and it's still Shanghai Noon. Wow. So you know what? This might not just be, this just might not be a movie for me per se, but as I saw the cast list rolling out, I was like quite taken aback. I was like, okay, like you might have something here I did not necessarily anticipate. Right. Uh, the actor playing Billy the Kid, I'm not super familiar with him, but I know he's been around. Wasn't he in Chronicle, I think? He was the, he was the main bad guy yeah, yeah. in Chronicle, yeah. I forgot to mention his name, but he is Billy the Kid. Dane DeHaan. Yeah, um, Dane DeHaan. And he actually, yeah, he, he is super good. Because I remember Chronicle, good. while not being like an A-plus film, mm -hmm. he definitely was a highlight. He yeah. was an interesting villain, and I'm excited to see him play an anti-hero. Well, what was that space opera he was in? The Thousand Cities. Uh, yeah. Valerian and Valerian. the City of a Thousand Planets. There it is. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. And again, he's like not bad in it. It just, I don't think that was a great project. Yeah, he's been picking some interesting things for sure. Well... Honestly, you pitched me Valerian yeah. in a thousand, the planet of a thousand, the city of a thousand yeah. planets. It's from the director of uh, of the Fifth Element. So you say yes, naturally, like okay. Yeah, I'm not what gonna be like, I'm not gonna be like, no, fuck that. That sounds boring. <laughs> like, dude, fuck you. What have you done? Right. <laughs> it's like, like, yeah, no. Uh, I think the kid, the trailer looked very interesting. I'm interested to see Vincent uh, D'Onofrio's. Directing, I don't think it's his directorial debut per se, but I'm interested to see what he does with it because I'm not familiar with his work. If he has done anything um, that I would know about as far as directing is concerned. Um, so he's directed one feature before this and uh -huh. one short. The feature he directed was called Don't Go Into the Woods. Okay. It was a 2010 film. It was not very well received. Okay. All right. So uh, not starting off on the best footing, but this looks like it could be uh, a step in the right direction for Vincent. I think so. Yeah. Right. Anything outside of the horror genre. Horror, horror films are really, really hard to yeah, do. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. And I is. feel like as a directorial debut... I have more faith in the kid. Right. Let's just say yeah, that. Yeah, right. Uh, Chris Pratt looks pretty badass in this. Say what you will about him. He, it looks like he's putting on quite a performance here with some pretty he heavy hitter hitting um, ensemble of a cast. It's interesting because these three men were in the movie with Denzel Washington. Well, it was like the... Uh, Those are the Magnificent Seven? Magnificent Seven. These so, three men, you're talking about Pratt, Ethan Hawke? Yeah, and Vincent uh, D'Onofrio. Yeah. Okay. So I think they... And that was also a Western... Yeah. So you can tell that they kept their, you know, their friends close yeah. for this one. So I feel like Vincent was just like, hey, guys, uh, you like Westerns, I see. Like, uh, I got a Western for you. I don't even know if that's how he talks. Hey, guys, uh, Vincent. Sugar water. Sugar water. He just talks like the dude from me. Sugar water. <laughs> but yeah no i i'm interested i don't know that much about billy the kid but he sounds like a terrible dude but you know that was the wild wild west back in the day i mean you had to do what you had to do to survive right. so again i'm not a big western guy uh myself my favorite western is shanghai nights so <laughs> What's that? It is. Right. It is. I'm dead serious. I love Chicago. Shanghai Nights is my favorite right. of the two films. Right. Yeah. You can't say it's a Western. It's set in Britain. I mean, it's still kind of like... It's like... Uh, 
Uh, have you? What are you? No, okay, okay. So is that like a fish and chips western? Yeah, it's like, like a fish and chips western. <laughs> so no, oh, you know what? To be fair, the Wild Wild West is my favorite. Oh God, is my favorite western film. Oh man, you heard it here first, y'all. Wild West is underrated. <laughs> I'm gonna so Miss I West. Seen... I haven't seen you in a cool. Age. Like, yeah, that shit was racist as hell. I can't say that. You <laughs> look, I'm black. I can say it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I guess I should say that Kenneth Branagh can't say that. No, Kenneth Branagh should probably have stayed away from that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it was a different time. No, no excuse. Uh, you know what? This movie sounds like it would be down and dirty, just like our next film. Uh, this trailer, The Dirt. Uh, it's a Netflix film, Netflix exclusive, and it comes out March the 22nd. It's directed by Jeff Tremaine. This movie is based off the autobiographical book penned by the members of Motley Crue. So it's a Motley Crue biopic, pretty much. And uh, I will start this one off. Yeah, hit me with your thoughts. Because I'm somewhat familiar with 80s arena rock. This looks relatively interesting i'm a sucker for like these uh these type of biopics however it did oversell it for me at a certain point i was like all right we're seeing this entire film and like these guys just seem like pieces of shit like he got like if i'm gonna be completely honest with you i was like i don't like any of these characters and i know it's really hard to do in a trailer it's to be fair i i understand that but I would like to be like, oh, this is really cool. These young men really wanted to like make a name for themselves and really wanted to like give the people what they wanted. And there were some elements of that, but I really wanted to be like, oh, this is really cool. Like I didn't know that they were that formidable as like a musical like force. But towards the halfway mark, I'm just like, yeah, these guys are just fucking annoying. Like I would want to punch these guys in the face. And maybe that was their appeal. I mean, maybe that was the whole thing. I don't know, Ian. What do you think, man? So as someone who's not super familiar with 80s arena rock, I gotta be honest, like this is something that's entirely out of my wheelhouse. Right. I, I do think that it looks like a bunch of fun. I do think you're correct in saying that through the filter of us today with mm -hmm. what we know today, like, they do look like a bunch of assholes. They're wrecking. <laughs> they're wrecking hotel rooms. Right. They're throwing air conditioners out of windows right. or something. Crushing yeah. cars. That's just not safe. You didn't know no one was in that uh, car. I think we're just getting old. <laughs> like, look at these fucking young assholes. In like four years, I'm gonna be shouting at kids to get off my lawn. <laughs> no, right. I admit, I've got back pain. I drink right. too much coffee. Oh I'm well on my way to being a senior citizen. Why would they destroy that perfectly good hotel? <laughs> I just don't understand. That being said, they they kind of say their thesis of the film in the very beginning. They right. said, to paraphrase, these audiences are hungry for some anarchy. Let's give it to them. Right. Which I think is kind of Motley Crue's appeal from what I understand. Right. Like they were sort of the first bad boys of, would you call them hair metal or arena I, rock? I guess arena rock because you have, because you have, yeah, I guess it is hair metal. Okay, from, so yeah. I think that they wanted to be the bad boys. That's what they set out to right. do. And that's what this film is about. Mm -hmm. I think, Again, we, we've talked a lot about doing biopics that are uh, fluff pieces and how they do no service to the artists or to the uh, public at large. We get brief glimpses at possible consequences for their actions. Yes. I have not read the book that it's based off of. I hope that if they are telling this story, 
they are brave enough to be like, hey, we made some mistakes. We right. wanted to be these bad anti-hero sort of folks, and we did that. Right. Uh, we wanted to be the bad boys, and... You know, in the end, it, it, it caught up with us. We, yeah. we got some just desserts for all of our bad behavior. Which would have been a great name for, uh, <laughs> for, for the film. Yeah, I don't know. Just, just desserts? desserts? I don't know. I don't, is, is The Dirt a, 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 a song by? Or is that just the name of the book, probably? I think, so I'm not really sure the name of the book. Looking it up, looking it up, looking it up, looking it up. So Motley Crue is classified as glam metal. Glam found metal. Out. Okay. I have so many questions. Okay, so The Dirt <laughs> is the name of the book. The Dirt, Confessions oh, okay. of the World's Most Notorious Rock Band. Right. So it's going to be from their point of view. It was written by an author by the name of Neil Strauss with the help of all the folks in the band. Yeah, I think he's one of the bandmates. Is he? Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So I'm, I'm not entirely sure how one-sided this is going to be, but I'm hopeful that we're going to see some like some real complex characters. Right. I think in you this. know usually those type of uh, individuals they're proud of the shit that they did, regardless of how terrible it might be. So I, I would assume, and just based off the trailer, that we will see consequences. So I got to be fair. I you know I have to be impartial here. It, again, I do like these kind of things, but the more the the older I get, the more I'm like, okay, I, I really need to see how the consequences weigh on these individuals, especially being like white guys in the fucking '80s getting away with everything because they're fucking yeah. rock stars. You know, I need yeah. I need something more because we've seen it before, and it sucks because we haven't seen that particular story before with them, but like. We have with other bands. And it's not an unfamiliar theme. We right. Again, like you said, the market for that sort of story is already so saturated. Right. They've got to do something fresh and original to really make it worthwhile, make it a story worth telling. Right. Something I think is interesting, uh -huh. Machine Gun Kelly is starring in this film. Oh, fuck. Of course he is. Who is he? Who does he play? Uh, he actually plays the front man, I'm pretty sure. Wow. Yeah, he, he plays... You um, know, he was in the Bird, uh, bird Box. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think as himself. <laughs> no, as himself, as in the Bird Box? As So his real name is Colson Baker, and he's credited on Bird Box as, as Colson Baker. Hold on, I want to double check that. <laughs> Forgive me. He's credited in Bird Box as Felix. Okay. But in parentheses, it says as Colson Baker. So what's confusing about yeah. this is that I think in the film he's credited as Colson Baker and oh. not Machine Gun Kelly, and he plays Felix. Oh, okay. So that, that is a little confusing. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, good props to him, man. He's on the highway to, like, some glorious, amazing stuff. Maybe, maybe not. I don't think so. But <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Time will tell. And perhaps the dirt... We'll be on a highway to success as well with Netflix. But you know what else is on the highway? The Highwaymen. That's right. It comes out March the 15th, another Netflix exclusive. That's probably the third best transition we've had today. Thank you. But it Thank was you. good. I, I'm, look, I'm working on it. You, you know, you're... You, By the 10th episode, we're going to be like, damn, that was fire. You're pumping that mental iron. I That's like right. it. You're, Thank you're you. You're beefing like, up the... Beefing up the transition the, the muscles. Man. Maybe, maybe <laughs> next time I just do a truck noise. <laughs> well, we really need, for this for that transition right, yeah. to have been a 10 out of 10, right. it would have needed to be a Kenny Loggins biopic. Oh, yeah. And he's oh. Like, you know what else is on the highway? I, to the danger this zone. <laughs> the Kenny Loggins biopic that Ben and which, I are now officially which making. Which is why, yeah, we are. Under the name Too Many Flakes, we're going to be a movie studio now. <laughs>
<laughs> That's our first movie. <laughs> what? Anyway, The Highwayman comes out March the 15th. It's directed by John Lee Hancock. This is a Netflix film which stars Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson as a pair of retired Texas Rangers who are called back to duty when the notorious criminals Bonnie and Clyde escape from prison and go on the run. And off the top of the dome, thoughts on Highwaymen? First impressions, I think it's an, uh, an incredibly intriguing film. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw with Bonnie and Clyde the movie, uh, this sort of American fascination with people who are above the law, the sort of uh, the birth of the mm -hmm. anti-hero. I think that's the third time I've said that in this podcast, but I think it's very relevant. The birth of the anti-hero with Bonnie and Clyde. And now we kind of see the flip of that because in the Bonnie and Clyde film, they are very romanticized in the way that they're kind of romanticizing Billy the Kid right. in The Kid. But here they kind of show their villainy a little more blatantly. Yeah. I think what was so romantic to the American public back then was that we were coming out of the Great Depression, everyone was struggling, and here were these two lovers that wanted to take matters into their own hands, take their chances for prosperity right. into their own hands, but they also were very violent. They they murdered lawmen yeah. and stuff. And so here we see we see uh which you know like I'm not the biggest fan of the police. Right. Uh, <laughs> Neither are they're we. not always the most trustful folks, but that's kind of what the highwaymen is about. They right. they hire uh the, the state hires these two Texas Rangers, ex-cowboys, to uh, pursue these, these very violent criminals. And I think, I think it's interesting. It's kind of like an antithesis mm -hmm. to Bonnie and Clyde, but it feels very much in the same vein. Like, mm -hmm. they don't play by the book, right, they, yeah. but they're lawmen, which really is kind of a guy. weird line to right. toe in today's political climate. <laughs> it really is. But again, this, right. like, harkens back to the kid where the Western... The Wild Wild West was a different time. Right. The 1950s and 60s was a different time. It's like chaotic good versus chaotic evil. Like if I had to, if I had to group these two warring pairs, like Bonnie and Clyde were technically like chaotic evil. Like mm -hmm. sometimes they would do good. They'd do sort of like kind of the Robin Hood thing. Not really. They kind of just stole from the rich and kept it for themselves. Right. But that's right. like, that was the romantic part of it was that they right. were like, taking themselves from poverty and establishing themselves up where these two lawmen are kind of uh, like, you know, they go about doing shit their own way. They're here to get the results and that's why they're brought in. So I have, I have some mixed feelings, right. if you can't tell. What an interesting time, though, to be like big time like robbers and just like say what your name is. And just, like, have your face dressed down for the part. It's like, yeah, we're body and fucking Clyde. Come at us. Like, damn. Tell everyone. Yeah, tell right. everyone. We're going to come and rob you and shoot you in the face. But, yes, you made some very interesting points. One of those points were just how they don't romanticize at least some aspects of the Bonnie and Clyde people. Bonnie and Clyde people. But Bonnie and Clyde. You understand? Right. Um, and it's really cool because there's one aspect of the trailer which we see Bonnie flipping over a body and shooting this guy in the face yeah. and like the detectives are the texas um pardon the texas ranger the texas ranger just like which was woody harrelson's character like understand and analyze what happened and was like no she flipped this body over to shoot him in the face so he could see what was about to happen to him and this is like it's chilling and it's crazy it's just like these people were Awful. They, they were, were psychopaths. Really, they were psychopaths. And I love the juxtaposition of these two lawless lawmen and these two obviously lawless like 
<laughs> civilians Citizens, yeah. who are just like, we're going to do whatever we want. And they're like, look, we're the Texas Rangers. We don't get these motherfuckers however we're going to get them. Yeah. Like, this is how it is. This is how we run this shit. Like, y'all ain't been getting it done. They escaped from jail. Now they called us in. Yep. We got to do whatever the fuck we got to do. Which is very interesting to see how they're going to weave that line in today's climate, like you said. Mm-hmm. Because things are really tense, especially with the policemen and doing whatever the fuck they want. But as far as the narrative is concerned, this should be interesting, and I really enjoy the cast. Uh, yeah, political yeah. Uh, hesitance aside, right. uh, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson, just in the few moments that you see them, are a real joy together chemistry. on screen. They yeah. got really good chemistry. Uh, yeah. Again, I think Woody Harrelson just has chemistry with everybody, though. I mean, he's such a good actor. He's and very So Kevin Costner as well. I mean, we won't talk about that Robin Hood movie. Uh, that he was in. Uh, but, if this uh, is good enough, if this is good right. enough, we'll forgive the Robin Hood movie. Right, yes. Uh, and it appears that it just might be, and it is on Netflix. We will talk about Netflix further down the line in this podcast, but I want to mention this before we move on to our next segment, is that they're really starting to develop really cool and interesting films. Their series have always been really good. Their films were always kind of lacking, but you can kind of see a growth and you see it before our eyes. And that's all I'm going to say about that. They're figuring it They're out. They're figuring it out, but we will talk later. But right now, let's get into some flicks news. Some heavy, awesome, interesting movie news that came out this week or maybe even a couple of months ago that we didn't get a chance to discuss in previous episodes. Sure. So right now, one of our first topics will be the fact that Yahya Abdul-Mateen uh, II lands lead in Jordan Peele's Candyman sequel. Now, the original Candyman was released in 1992 and follows a graduate student who explores the legend of Candyman while writing a thesis on the urban legend. Now, the director who's going to helm this is Nia DaCosta, and Mateen has been seen in Aquaman, The Greatest Showman, uh, and he's in the up-and-coming Us now, I also saw, I believe my team was in uh, The Get Down, too, which was my introduction to this young African-American man who uh, is just really, really good. You could tell he's been trained, and I'm really interested in seeing this film, primarily because Jordan Peele is producing it, and right now, him and horror films are just clicking. Mm -hmm. Who knew he had the six sadistic side to him, but uh, I love it, and I'm <laughs> fucking here for it. And yeah, I just, I'm ready to explore Candyman again. Uh, Candyman also took place at Cabrini Green in Chicago, which is going to bring a lot of light to Chicago. Hopefully they film here as well. Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe I might be in it. Maybe Ian might be in it. I don't care. You, I don't care if Candyman has killed me. You I could know? be dead man number three. I, w I don't care. I like, could be dead man number 10. Right. Oh no! Candyman, don't kill me! See, already. I just, That's his audition tape. What, Benjamin what? Timothy Jenkins. Thank you, thank you guys. Yep. Ian, you want to give it an audition tape? Sure. He's, he's about to kill you. Uh, Candyman, fuck off. That shit ain't... <laughs> Oh, I, I guess he's real. I was gonna say he was fake, but he's real. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, Thank we're, you. Yeah, we know. We're I'm the skeptical back. white person that thinks that they know everything in the film <laughs> until the Candyman kills them because yeah. they're like, I'm white. I'm invincible. Right, and and the like, Candyman, like, I don't care. I'm gonna kill you. Yes, perfect. I That's think, the Candyman I want to see. I think we got that. Yeah, <laughs> I think we definitely will be in this movie. Yeah. Uh, anyway, your thoughts on uh, Mr. Mateen the Second? So. I remember when the Get Down came out. Right, he's the lead in the Get Down, or is he the is he the spin he, master? He was one of the antagonists. He was like one mm. of the yeah. He's like you guys don't know what you're talking about. 
you stupid with this hip hop stuff. It's all about disco. He's like the disco guy. Gotcha. Right, 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 right. Okay, so he plays Cadillac. Right, Cadillac. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yahya Abdul Mateen II. I, I don't really know a whole lot about him. Yeah, he's still um, coming up. He's still coming up. I'm excited to see him in Us. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see him in Aquaman whenever we get around to that. Whenever we get around to that. Have you seen Aquaman? Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I, I don't think I have. Uh, nope. You know, I actually didn't. Okay. Moving okay, on. Okay, moving on. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to see him in Aquaman when I finally get to see Aquaman. Right. Uh, I think his most exciting project to me will be us. I'm excited to see that yeah, drop. That's going to be really cool. Um, he was also in Baywatch, which no one saw. I saw about 60% of Baywatch. Really? Why? It's awful. Okay, that's what that's... Because I was... All right, so, many so questions. I was, I was at home, right. and I was bored, and I was like, I want something that's not going to, like, emotionally traumatize right. me. I want something that's mindless. And, I like, Baywatch was right there, and I was like, there's absolutely nothing more mindless that I can think of right. than Baywatch. I, I made it probably about 60, 66% of the way through the movie, and... I don't think I blacked out from drinking. I think I blacked out from boredom. Because <laughs> I don't remember what I did after that. It's so bad. I remember they were in the morgue and I just turned it off. Oh, man. Um, you know it's bad when even you're just trying to watch a shitty movie to not even think about it. When it's so bad that it's offensive. I love bad movies. But when a movie is... He does. Yeah. He gave me war. I did. For a birthday present or I something did. one Jet time. I did. Gently and... Uh, who else Jason is Statham. Jason Statham. Oh, it's absolutely terrible. It's I like love it. It's like Face Off, but... Right. Worse? W worse, yeah, which is <laughs> a low bar to... to <laughs> yeah. Uh, but regardless, if it's so bad that I can't watch it, it's really bad and bland. So I, mm. I, I, I'm I, right there with you on that Baywatch, man. We were got off track. We were talking about yes. Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. I haven't seen much of his work. I've seen him in The Get Down, and it was great. Right. Uh, I admittedly have not seen the original Candyman. So that's something I'm going to have to get on before yeah. this drops. It's a cult classic. But man. I'm excited to see him. You said that he's the lead in yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I'm mean, already confident. It, you tell me Peel is a producer. Right. You tell me you have this accomplished actor. It, I'm not worried. It's a black cult classic because it takes place here in Chicago. Um, the main setting is Cabrini Green. And it's, it's really cool. Not too many people know about it, but I think enough people know about Candyman to definitely want this film. And Jordan Peel knows exactly what he's doing. I personally can't wait. And also, if you haven't seen Candyman, watch it. It's a fun time. And speaking of which brings us to our next point, Bob Persichetti is directing Puss in Boots 2. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I could be completely wrong. So wanna... yeah, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the, right. one of the directors. Uh... is directing Puss in Boots 2, which um, nobody asked for. No. Uh, I forgot that movie was even a thing. I didn't, I really forgot about Puss in Boots until I looked it up and researched this. So, I've never forgotten about Puss in Boots because I've never seen it. <laughs> but that's why, I, that's why I never forgot it. I was like, there is a movie out there that is yeah. just a spinoff of the Antonio Bendetis animated cat from Shrek 2, yep. who was great in Shrek 2, right. but is he great on his own? Is he, though? He's not. Like, yeah, he's cute, and that's his thing, but why do we need an entire movie about puss and boots so we're getting it it wasn't I mean, it wasn't entirely panned in its reception so maybe it's something we need to check out maybe we'll play like a drinking game to to puss and boots yeah it's got an 85 um, on Rotten tomatoes and that's that 
Mind that blowing. shocks me. Mind blasting. I've never heard anyone talk about You know what's a really good movie? That Puss in Boots, man. Let me tell you what. Puss in Boots was a game changer. Game changer. That's what they said. That's what... <laughs> so many questions about Puss in Boots. Um, but it, it is helming the one of the directors from Into the Spider-Verse, which is, I believe, compelling and pretty interesting. And I think that's a good step. So, for a decade-long sequel. Absolutely. If Parachetti brings even, like, a tenth of the ingenuity that was brought to into the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. there's a good chance that uh, we'll be eating our words here on this podcast, yeah. and that Puss in Boots 2 will actually become, like, a big franchise. Yeah, and it wins, like, best animated film. <laughs> right. We have to look back and dig this out of the, like, park, like catalog. It's like, oh, yeah, we did say that. We don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> but so per- yeah. Persichetti, good for him. I don't think there's too much to be said because we either didn't see the first Puss in Boots or we didn't care for it. So I think we should move on. Moving on. John Krasinski and Emily Blunt will be returning for a Quiet Place sequel. Now this news is a bit, I think, polarizing, I would say. Um, sure. Because the first installment of A Quiet Place was so good. It's such a well-rounded story. It really tells us a beginning, middle, and end, and it does it really well. All the acts mm-hmm. hold up. And I don't really want a new film. I don't see where it can really go from here. I'm sure since Krasinski's working on it now, it does make me a little less weary about the direction but i really hope they don't fall into the trap of like really trying to explain what these monsters are like what's going on what's been going on in air all over the world like just maybe focus on the family and how the daughter like maybe she grows up and like has to learn how to defeat these new aliens i don't know man i, I i'm kind of speechless here because i don't want it i'm just gonna be honest i'm gonna keep it at that i don't really want a quiet place too i i agree it felt like a very nice self-contained narrative. Right. It was a thrilling conclusion. You know, they mm-hmm. finally, they finally have the tools that they need to fight back against these monstrosities. And now that we know what these creatures are, how they operate, I don't think that they're, they're going to go the horror route. I think it's right. going to be sort of a character study. He seems confident. He says that uh, he has an idea mapped out that he feels is good enough to shoot, and the studios apparently think so too. I'm not entirely sure. There aren't a whole lot of details surrounding the project yet. But, you know, a lot of people laughed when we heard that Jim from The Office was going to be directing a scary movie. Exactly. And everybody ate their words on that because it ended up being a startlingly good film with some excellent representation of differently abled actors. And if you keep giving those people a place in Hollywood, I'll keep going to see those movies. Right. I'm I'm down to check it out. I'm hopeful, if not a bit jaded, because, you know, sequels are always hit or miss. Yeah, no. But I, I have to have faith that since he's out here doing good work, doing important work, that he has a creative idea cooked up to really follow up with everything. I think it'd be interesting if it didn't follow the same family, if right. they like stumble in to another group of folks or survivors right. that don't yet know how right. to combat this stuff. And then Emily Blunt and her daughter just show up like, we got the feedback, we got some fucking shotgun shells, cool. yeah. like... Let's fucking take the fight to them. That, that, you know, what? okay, so what would you title this movie? Would you call it A Quiet Place 2, or would you give it, like, a clever title? I, so I saw 
on a headline somewhere that I thought was very amusing. It was a little bit satirical. It was like, no news yet on whether or not the film will be called A Quieter Place. <laughs> and I kind of wanted to just fucking like, be like, all right, assholes, right. you want to play this fucking game? Right. That's exactly what well, it is. Where... It's a quieter place. A quieter there is no place. sound. It's all fucking sign language, and I put in a little fucking pianist in every single theater that's going to do it all vaudevillian style. Now deal with that, bitches. It's a quieter place. What if they call it shit your ass up? (laughs) (laughs) You're great. I love you. Now shut your ass up so we don't get eaten by these monsters. There you go, Jack Krasinski, if you hear this, please call it shut your ass up. Okay, because that is brilliant. But we're going to move on to uh, a segment that I once called Meanwhile, until I figured out that that was actually a segment on Stephen Colbert's show. <laughs> what luck is that? I thought, you know, it probably wouldn't be an issue, but just so we don't get into sticky territory, I'm going to name it First Issue, which is still comic book related. Yeah, that's good. So we're going to do things a little differently here. For Just uh, real quick. Yeah. Would you say that this is the uh, first issue uh-oh. of First Issue? God damn it. I'm sorry, it's a bad pun. No, it's you okay. You know what? Yes, it is the first issue of first issue. Hey. Fresh off the press. <laughs> All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something we did similar to the Oscar talk. I'm going to list off a couple of bullet points, and then I'm going to kick it over to my good friend and co-founder of Too Many Flicks as well. Yeah, see? And I'm... we're going yeah, to talk about what interests us the most, so we can keep the show going at a good speed, and uh, we can just kind of dive right in there. So here we go. One of the first uh, bullet points I have is Black Panther wins three Oscars, one for Best Production Design, Best Costume Design, and Best Original Score, which is the most a superhero film has everyone at the Oscars. Also, we have Into the Spider-Verse, told you to bring it back, Whoop. wins Best Animated Film. Aquaman, we've already talked about this. We ain't seen the shit. Uh, Hellboy Reboot? Oh, my God. What? How do people what? feel about that? I don't know. And James Gunn, script will be used for the Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Despite him being fired. Yeah. Wow. All right. So what interests you the most in these topics here, E? What, what, what do you want to dive off into? So I want to first give a big shout out to the whole production team of the Black Panther Woo! crew because they are getting some well-deserved love yes, and recognition. Yes, indeed. Uh, just phenomenal work all around. When they were announcing the costume categories, mm. they're, they're like, this person might win. This person might win. Right. And then there's Black Panther. I was like, if anybody else wins, right. it's bullshit. Right. You already yeah. know that those costumes Come are on, so man. fucking... Slick, detailed, so much thought went into them, so much culture, like, they're so rich. I would have gone to wherever the Oscars (laughs) were, I would have Googled the stadium, and I would have set fire, not to the actors, because they're all decent folk, but I would have found the, like, old white person section that is the Academy, and I I can't say I would have burned them down, because I'm not a murderer, but I'd smack all (laughs) of them. I would smack, yeah, yeah, and and Mel Gibson, just to do it, because fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah, right? Right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it had to win these. The, the score was amazing. Mm-hmm. The, the production design was fucking phenomenal. They had to create this whole entirely fabricated fucking country. Like, all they had to go off of were, like, obviously the comic books and, and adapting what it looked like on page to screen, obviously. But 
it is so much influences, like so much different cultures from different parts of Africa. And you can see it melded into this neo-futuristic style. It, it works so well. And just the production design, it's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. If any uh, superhero film deserved these amount of Oscars and this much recognition, it is Black Panther Wakanda Absolutely. forever. Uh, I would also like to talk about, since we're into Black Excellence, Black History Month into the Spider-Verse wins best animated film. Yes. Oh Holy my shit. God. I saw I saw an indignant Twitter post cuz I'm still new to Twitter so I don't know right. how to say it. Do I call it a tweet or a Twitter post? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm going with Twitter post. I saw an indignant Twitter post that was like, "Yo, why the fuck wasn't Into the Spider-Verse even nominated for best film?" Oof. Which I, I I see the point of contention there with like, oh, but you have the best animated category just for that. But honestly, Into the Spider-Verse was probably one of the best movies that I saw last yeah. year. It came out at the tail end. I caught it around Christmas time. I took my mother to it. She was skeptical. Like, you know, she's not really into the whole animated movie scene. Mm -hmm. But when we walked out of the theater, we were both blown away. Like, what a fantastic film. My wife is the same way. She's very particular about animated films. And... I have a pretty good eye for it, just because of how I grew up. Mm -hmm. So I, when I'm like, no, you have to see this one. This is going to be great. She's like, okay, whatever. And she walked out was like, that was amazing. That was one of the best films she's seen. Everyone is saying this is one of the best films they've seen. It should have been nominated, just nominated for Best Picture. Like, Please. honestly, it just, come on. Like, which begs... The question, do they need to expand the amount of nominations? I know it's all they've already expanded it and then everyone will be getting nominated, but like it's a tricky it's tricky, tricky subject because right. it's almost as if like best animated film kind of sidelines that art to an extent. Oh yeah. It's it, it is difficult because they are two different mediums, animation and live film. Right. I'm just saying it was good enough to be nominated for Best Film. I kind of understand why right. it was only in the Best Animated Film category. We, it's, a, just, yeah, it's a dicey, dicey territory there, and I don't envy the Academy for having to decide. Anyway, let's talk about this Hellboy reboot. This, this yeah. is interesting to right. me. I was very trepidatious when I heard that they were rebooting it. Mm -hmm. I was really hoping that we would get a third film with uh, uh, Guillermo del Toro directing and Ron Perlman as the star. After... What little bit I've seen from the production of this new reboot that's just called Hellboy, it, it does look like it has merit. I think something that we are going to lose without that creative sort of cleverness of Guillermo del Toro's imaginary world is we're going to lose kind of that quirkiness right. that the first two films had. Like they just felt so unexpected. Like they really played with audience expectation as to what demons and magical entities were like mm -hmm. and then sort of like they turned those expectations on their head and i th i'm concerned that we might lose some of that with this new director uh neil marshall he directed the descent which is hailed as one oh of the God. best most horrifying films that there is he hasn't done a lot else that really captures my attention but i'm willing to give this hellboy reboot a chance specifically because of the actor they got to play uh, the rebooted hellboy David Harbour from really Stranger good. Things. Really good. He's solid as as the sheriff right. in Stranger Things. And the energy that he brings to the character in the trailer, it feels very Ron Perlman-esque. Right. Like, I think you pointed out when we were watching it, like, it was hard to tell if he just copied Ron Perlman or if they both just tapped that deeply into the Hellboy character. Right. 
I think that he tapped into the character because we even see there's one part early in the trailer where he's climbing out of the back of a Jeep to help someone and uh, one of the SWAT team members on site like misfires <laughs> and he's like, hey, I'm on your side. Right, yeah. And it was a little more frantic, right. a little less composed than the Ron Perlman yeah, Hellboy. Yeah. I, I have faith in it. Yeah, I believe he's portraying it more of off the cuff and more spontaneous. Yeah. And just... Probably a little bit more anxious energy than the Ron Perlman was very put together. I think like he hit it with the, angst, yeah, with the anxious energy. Exactly. Uh, it feels like just a younger Perlman version. But I don't, again, like you mentioned it to me, like it's just maybe that it's just in the Hellboy character in itself. It's just the writing and the comic book that is Hellboy. So it's not necessarily he's copying it, it's just. They both did their work. I have so many interesting thoughts about this because the trailer was good. I don't know if it's good enough for me to be like, oh, I see a reason why they need to reboot it. Sure, yeah. Because the the two Hellboys that we have are phenomenal. They're so fun. They're, They're so good. They're so good. And Guillermo, God, I cannot never pronounce his goddamn <laughs> you got name. It. Del Toro. He just really creates this elaborate, beautiful tapestry of a world that you just get lost in. You see it in Labyrinth. He, he, Pan's Pan's Labyrinth, Labyrinth. Yeah. yeah. That'd be crazy if he directed Labyrinth. He also directed Labyrinth Who as like know? an 18-year-old. I know, but he's crazy. It just, I, I, I have a hard time buying into it, and that's really crazy, and I know it's like, it's a this bias. However, I... I will have to go into theater with an open mind. I, you, you can't bring in what you know from the first two Hellboys. And even the comics, really. I have not had the chance to read a Hellboy comic. If anyone has read any of the Hellboy comics, would you suggest it to us? Should we read them? Are they great? I'm sure they are. I mean, that's why they have such great adaptations so far. I'm intrigued. I know we use that word a lot, but a lot of the times that's the, the only okay word they can be use. Yeah. I just don't know. I'm cautiously optimistic for this next installment because I know that the production staff for the last Hellboy, they were really pushing hard for a third one. And a lot of the, the studio and board members were against it because they were requiring too much money. And I know a lot of hurt feelings went into them being rejected for that. Ron Perlman himself well, was on Collider Live mentioning how he, it's still an open wound for him. It, the movie comes with baggage, to say the least. And certainly. Um, that yeah. being said, with yeah. a, with an R rating, I think that we might get it's true. A, something a little truer to the comics. Right. It definitely looks a little more polished in terms of CGI. Yes, it like, does. That was kind of the appeal of Del Toro's vision, I mm -hmm. think, though, is that he was very practical with right. everything. Mm -hmm. We had those awesome elaborate sets. I rewatched The Golden Circle recently, Oof. and there's so many cool mechanical sets the the elven kingdom that's sort of built into this right. old manufacturing uh this destitute manufacturing facility the uh the final battle that takes place in this weird clockwork sort of stage and it was there was so much inventiveness because there was so much real environment for the actors and the characters themselves to interact with and this one this trailer in particular showed a lot more cg right. geared yeah. sort of things so i think we might see a little bit more of a grand, grander scope. Right. I'm curious to see how that affects the quirkiness of it all, though. Yeah. Will it look I, too polished? No. Yeah. Will it look a little less grounded because of it? It would be. It's going to be different, and be prepared for that. It's going to be out of this world. Dare I say, out of this galaxy? Which brings us to our next point. 
Boy, what I'm telling you, I'm on fire, man. James Nailed Gunn's it. script will be used for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he's fired. Yeah. What the fuck? If anyone's been out of the loop on this, it, it hit the news circuit last year. And the concerns are valid, but I feel like this is an artist who had taken the steps to show that he was truly remorseful for exactly. some things that as a younger individual he might have thought were amusing but came to learn were rather problematic right and i think there was an editorial that was run around the time of his firing while he was in talks with disney and disney said it just doesn't really fit in with our image to have someone who has said these things be a part of our company the editorial from this writer in particular i believe they were over at vox it was really really good i wish i could uh, cite them but they said If Disney was truly concerned about changing their image, they would address the issues with Walt Disney himself. It doesn't doesn't start (laughs) with an artist who's already apologized, who said, rather tweeted some gross jokes, but what he thought was in good humor and learned was not. You want to address... Image problems start with the anti-Semitism. Start with start with the blatant racism in Dumbo. Start yeah. with all of these other problematic areas in classic Walt Disney right. imagery. Don't don't punish Absolutely. someone who's actually tried to reconcile their past faults and give us a more progressive vision. He's been very outspoken mm-hmm. on progressive issues. He's mm-hmm. obviously very liberal. It what there's a huge conspiracy that it was a bunch of Trump supporters that aspired to take him down because of his outspoken nature right. on these political stances. Right. I think it's a slap in the face. I do too. And uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy cast is being very, very professional about it. But you can tell that they are Seven not Dave happy. Batista. Dave Batista doesn't give a shit. I like, love Dave Batista. Like, That's my homie. Right. Y'all fuck over my homie. And Ooh. he's a li- he's progressive. Too. So here's the thing. I want to put this out there. We at Too Many Flicks are not apologists. And we will never be. We are a left-leaning. I don't give a fuck if, this, if you are feel excluded from this or whatever. We are a left-leaning site. We will tell the truth. Then mm-hmm. that's how we feel. Those are our morals aligned. And what we will not do is apologize for anyone. So when we say something as, as far as like we feel like he should indeed be given a second chance because he has grown as a character, we mean that. We mm-hmm. definitely mean that. One of our mission statements is diversity and making sure that everyone's included and um, making sure people are held accountable. And I think he was indeed on the right path. And for them to bring this up when he was a younger man didn't understand. Like, yeah, he probably did understand it, but now he fully knows the ramifications of that. Suspend him. Maybe, you know, find him, but don't do that. And it's not just because we love the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, but we feel like this was an, an era on Disney's Part. And like Certainly. you said, if they really want to clean up their their image, then go through Walt Disney with his anti-Semitic bullshit. Start at the root of the problem. Start at the root of the problem. All right. So with that being said, we're going to start a new segment here. And it's something that Ian's been really wanting to do. And I think it's a good idea. And I think we should uh, definitely talk about this because this thing is pretty big in our industry. And we want to give it some light. So mm-hmm. Ian... Go ahead and take it away and tell the folks what we got what we're listening to. So I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about Netflix. So I started this segment called Netflix Now. The reason that I wanted to start doing this segment is because Netflix was the first streamer on the scene. They they created this entirely new market where demand has skyrocketed, 
And now a lot of different brands feel like they can start their own streaming services. And over the course of time, we're gonna see a lot of products being pulled from Netflix, i.e. the biggest one being Disney and Marvel removing all of their content from Netflix. And so Netflix has been sort of throwing darts at the board furiously just to create enough content to keep viewership and subscriptions up. Now, one of their original movies. Their original movies have been sort of hit or miss recently. They have another one though that really caught my attention and I wanna talk about it because it has such potential and it starts really strong. It's called Velvet Buzzsaw. And the premise of Velvet Buzzsaw is essentially there is this very revered art critic whose word is essentially law in the, the elite art scene played by Jake Gyllenhaal. It's directed by Dan Gilroy, who did the Nightcrawler movie. Not like the Marvel Nightcrawler movie, but like the creepy, <laughs> you know, LA right. uh, After Dark Nightcrawler movie. You have big names in it like Rene Russo, John Malkovich. You have David Diggs, Zawe Ashton. So many good folks in it. And the premise is essentially that there's an art critic who can make or break an art installation just by writing a review about it. And this young associate at an art gallery who's hungry for more power and fame. She has an artist die in her building that has never been discovered. He's never released his work. And she, discover she discovers his body of work and it is so entrancing, so encapsulating, so emotionally charged that everyone, including Jake Gyllenhaal's very critical uh, reviewer, falls in love with it. Everyone seems en enraptured with his work, no matter who it is. But the artist never wanted his work released. And Velvet Buzzsaw starts off really, really strong. Mm -hmm. It introduces themes of agency over one's work. It introduces themes like the falsehood, the fakeness of elite art circles and their pretentiousness. It's very satirical. It's very cutting. It's very sharp. It's so well acted and very well shot. But then in the latter half of the film, it starts to trail off mm -hmm. uh, because it, it descends into slasher territory and it starts, it, it, I feel like it cheapened all of these thematic elements that it introduced earlier on that seemed to set up a really compelling drama. Ben, yeah, you watched it recently. I what did. did you have any takeaway? Yeah, I, you know, I'm on the same page with you on a lot of those thoughts and ideas. I thought it became what it was trying to avoid, and that is pretentious. And that's unfortunate mm -hmm. because, like you said, it was really cool. I was really captivated. Uh, I watched it with my wife, Anne, and we both were... Uh, you know, intrigued at the beginning, and then we, we kind of, like you said, it unraveled towards the end there. You're like, okay, some of these things, you're quickly trying to tie up these loose ends, but we don't understand where you're going with it. I, I feel like a lot of the focus was lost on the painting itself, and somehow the other paintings got involved, and I was like, well, I want to know more about that. I, I believe the painter was Deese, I believe. That's his name. That was uh, it, yeah. Like uh, Vincent Deese. Vincent Deese. I always wanted more of Deese. Does that make sense? Like, certainly, like, certainly. Uh, and it was like these, like, why were these paintings moving so much? I mean, I get it as far as a symbol, a symbolic aspect, but I wanted just a little bit more uh, analyst on why, why that was happening. Also, it's just, you know, I feel like don't try so hard to make it a horror slasher if, it, if it's not naturally going that way. You know what I mean? You have the story, you have what you have in the beginning, just keep riding that wave because it was so interesting. And I love the fact that Jake, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is in this because he's doing so many like different things with um, with acting. His choices are really like His character cool. work is fantastic yeah. in it. 
which kind of certain aspects reminded me of Sunday in the Park with George, which he was mm, in yeah. on Broadway. He was George Sherrod. And it's just funny how he picked that and then now he's in this. And it's just, it was really cool. And, you know, it has, the cinematography also was really, really well done. It's like a lot of like long shots too in the museum. Like mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this is beautiful. But then again, like it falls apart and that's unfortunate. But like we said before, Netflix is finding its groove. And yes. this is a good, another one of those really good steps. I mean, obviously with Roma being like huge, been a Netflix thing, was nominated for an Oscar. Yep. Uh, it's, you, you can tell. If, if you get Alfonso Cuaron to direct something on right. your streaming service, that's that's a right. huge check mark right. in the right direction. Or that's Martin a, that's, Scorsese, which he's doing The Irishman. That's right. Yeah, we crazy. have. Yep, we have that coming to Netflix as right. well. Yeah, all right. Any any other things that we should look out for Netflix? So definitely go and see that. It's on Netflix right now. I want people to know. We do recommend it, but see if you agree with us. Check it out. Right. I think it's a good movie right. to watch if you want like a little bit of fright and a, right. and quite a few laughs. But it, I think it falls short in some categories. Give us your thoughts. Exactly. There's been a little bit of. Quite a bit of buzz, actually, about a new series that dropped called Russian Doll that I would highly recommend. It is uh, ridiculously bingeable. I breezed through the eight-episode season in no time. It's only eight episodes? It's only eight episodes. Okay. Okay. Super consum consumable. Natasha Leone plays this very sardonic, quippy young woman that is having a lot of struggles in her life. And the premise is that she keeps dying. Oh, shit. She starts the same day over and over again, always with a different death in a different way. And it's very, very clever. It's very, very sharp. And it, it raises a lot of intrigue. You gotta watch this, y'all. You should absolutely check it out. Okay. I, I would love to have more discourse on it. I just wanted to throw out a little shout out to that. How would you feel about if we did a bonus episode one day and we review Russian Doll? It's just a, a episode where we just review I would eight love, episodes. I would love to do that. We'll sit down. Right. We'll pick it apart. We'll put out our theories. Right. Because right now there are a slew of them. Ooh. It's a it's a film that really requires attention because you'll notice things change Ooh. over over the course of the eight episodes. Yeah, it doesn't just she, and she may not be the only one who keeps dying over and over. Uh -oh. I'll just throw that out there. Oh, a little, look. little twist for we you. Already coming up with new stuff, y'all. Hey. Exciting. Go right. check it out. Russian Doll on Netflix dropped a week or two ago. Right. Definitely worth your time. I want to wrap up the Netflix Now segment okay. Okay. by talking about a huge get for Netflix. They are really trying to broaden their horizons from outside of the North American consumer base. Smart. And they're doing it's very smart. Mm. And they're doing that. They've acquired one of the biggest blockbusters of 2019 that a lot of us here on the Western shores may not have heard about. Right. It's called The Wandering Earth. Mm. And it is a film that was released in China. It's being hailed as one of their biggest sci-fi blockbusters, if not one of their first. It had a budget of $50 million. Wow. It's directed by uh, Frank Guo. I hope I'm getting that right. So please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and the premise is, when the sun dies out, the people of Earth build giant thrusters to move the planet out of orbit and to sail to a new star system. After 2,500 years, young people continue the fight for everyone's survival. Oof. It looks really good. The production value is insane. If you watch the trailers, they're out there. They're fantastic. What's interesting about this mm -hmm. is that Netflix doesn't have a presence in China yet. But you can tell this is definitely them trying to ingratiate themselves, trying to create a demand yeah. 
in that country. I'm not ent entirely sure on the particulars as to why they have not established a base there yet, but it's really, really cool that they are taking some of this Eastern cinema and bringing it to American consumers or consumer or European consumers, whomever it may be. I think it's something to look out for. It sounds like quite, quite the epic story. Yeah, I'm excited. They I, just saw that trailer alone. I was like, this is right up my like wheelhouse right now. I love this. And we talk about how yeah. it's so hard to get a new sci-fi franchise started. Yeah, they've definitely they're definitely trying to get their foot in the door. Right. It is based off of a book by the same name. So mm. there's there's like. You know, some framework to build from. I'd like to read that, actually. I bet that's a really interesting read. So that wraps up Netflix now. Woo! I just wanted to throw some of that out there so we have it all in the ether. Yeah, damn. That's a hot segment, y'all. Hot segment. Woo! Woo, woo. Love it, love it, love it. All right, well, we're wrapping up here, but you know what time it is. It's time for a game. Oh, it's time yeah. for some trivia. What, we, Ian, what you got? I mean, or maybe we could figure it out what we might want to do right now on the fly. <laughs> ah. So I kind of wanted to take a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a different approach this time because okay. we've done taglines, we've done synopses, and we're going to run out of those kind of quick after yeah. a while. Agreed. Uh, okay. So instead, I wanted to do uh, just some basic movie trivia and sort of like see what we know and what we just learned. All right, all right. Okay, I got one about uh, the Oscars, which is, uh, you know, topical at right. the moment, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah. Yes, it is. This war movie won the Academy Award for Best Picture in 2009. Hurt Locker. Got it. <laughs> Fucking hell. You, Why did I even try? Right. I was like, hmm? Hmm? Let's see if you right. know. Bitch! Yeah, That's what no. you did. You just, like, slap me with some knowledge. Dude, after, like, the 2000s, I'm really, I'm pretty good about knowing the uh, Oscar, like, nominations and winners gotcha which is weird because before that i'm like oh i don't know i don't know did that glory <laughs> win i don't know i think i have another one for you maybe go ahead go ahead give me another one okay this actor earned 15 million dollars for speaking a total of 700 words of dialogue which breaks down to twenty one thousand four hundred and twenty nine dollars per word it was a film released in 1991 jack nicholson I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you two more tries. Okay. It was released in 1991. The actor may not play a human, if that helps. Even though they look like a human. So, so, so 1991. 1991. It is a sequel. He is iconic for this character. Is it Danny DeVito? No. Am I in the wheelhouse? You need to go the exact opposite direction. Okay. He is not short and stout. He is big and bulky, and uh, he. Be he, he has a lot of action movies under his belt. Uh, Not an action movie. Baby it was directed Falcon. by it was directed by James Cameron. This movie. Oh god damn! Uh, like nineteen ninety one. Big and bulk deep. Directed by James Cameron. Yes. Oh, it, it was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. There we go. Yep. There you go. All Terminator right. Two: Judgment Day. I was like, oh what. What is James Cameron? That's like Titanic, Avatar. <laughs> I don't think he's done anything else. $21,000 per word. Damn, dude. I feel like I've heard something like that about Jack. That's why Jack Nicholson was the first thing, because he would do some outlandish shit like that. Oh, dude. of course, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, um, let me look up some uh, movie trivia here. Do it. What you got for me? Mm, shit, they don't have the answers. Wait, <laughs> like, I need to... <laughs> I need the answers, y'all didn't give me the answers, y'all. 
Oh my god. Oh, you know what? I'm gonna do some movie quotes. How about that? Quotes. Yeah, hit me with a quote. These are some old. Some of these are like really old. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, you will not get this. This is. I would be a complete asshole. This actor auditioned for uh, a Coen Brothers movie, doing two readings for the lead character. Mm-hmm. When he didn't hear back, he tracked them down in New York and told them in a joking manner. I'm very, very worried that you're going to screw up this movie by giving this role to somebody else. It's my role, and I'll shoot your dogs if you don't give it to me. Oh my god, what? Apparently it was in good humor, they all knew it was funny, but oh, that's like, that's the trivia said, fact. You'll screw it up. By giving it to anybody else. What year? 96. I will help by saying it's no one in the Big Lebowski. Uh, <laughs> Robin Williams? No, no. He he has a hit show on Showtime right now. Kelsey Grammer. No. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got one more. Give give okay, me one more. He has a hit game. show on Showtime, which I don't watch. It's, it's set in Chicago. It's I'm pretty sure a remake of a UK show. You you know this actor? Oh yeah, it's really cold out, eh? <laughs> no, it doesn't help. Oh, yeah, it's really cold out, eh? That's my uh, attempt at, like, a North Dakota accent, a Minnesota-North oh, Dakota oh, that accent. that was a Canadian one. Okay, I mean, I guess it kind of it is Canada, though, isn't it? There's some, much. They have similar tonalities. Have similar tonalities. Okay, uh, he has a hit show on Showtime. Can, mm-hmm. I, can you tell me that show? Yes. Don't give me the Showtime show. Give me something else that he's been in. Okay, sure. How about that? It's not an actor. He's been in Wild Hogs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Holy shit. William Macy? Yep, William H. Macy. Ah, yes! <laughs> Way to go! Yeah! Dude, he was in The Last Dragon <laughs> for like <laughs> all of five seconds! Oh, but yeah, he approached, he approached the Coen brothers and jokingly threatened to shoot their dog if they didn't wow. give him a role. Wow. Okay, so here we go. Ooh, this one's good. Just when you thought I was out, they pulled me back in. That sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Uh, it's not Lethal Weapon. <laughs> no, it's not. But I understand. You're kind of in that area. I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah, yeah, right. Just when I thought it was how they pull me back they in. They pull me back in. Uh, okay, could I get could I get a hint? Yeah, uh, there are three of these movies. I have to imagine it's like a cop drama, kind of. Ooh, go the opposite route. Oh, it's like a crime drama. Yeah. Is it a comedy or is it a drama? It's a drama. It is a drama. It's still a drama, but not involving cops so much. And it's from the first one. From the first movie? No, it's from the, the third in the installment. Gotcha. Have I seen any of these? You might have. I actually don't know if you have, Ian. You, I don't remember you talking about them. Gotcha. Can I get the star or will that give it away immediately? That might give it away immediately. Yeah? Yeah. I, I gotta be honest with you. No, be honest. That's good. I will say this. The third one's the worst one. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. 2000s? Ooh, no, the 90s. I'll give you another one. This, this actor now has been known to be like too extreme in his delivery. It's Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Scarface? There weren't three Scarfaces. No, is it The Godfather? It's The Godfather 3. Is it yes. really? Yes. I like almost said that right, at the top. Yeah, but yeah. I was like... Have, I was... have you seen The Godfather movie? Not the third. I've only seen the first. Okay. All right. I think I'm going to say this, y'all. 
and I know people might never listen to us again, I think Godfather might be slightly overrated. Ooh! Slightly. That, my friend, is a hot That's take. a hot take! Ooh, I'm sorry. I oh. thoroughly enjoyed the first one. I okay. haven't seen either of the sequels. Okay. I've heard... It's either the second or third one, right. but I've heard multiple people be like, it's like the best right. movie ever. I love Goodfellas, though. That's my that's my oh, gangster film. Goodfellas movie. is the fucking That's jam. my gangster film. Yeah. It's personally. a little more popping. It's a little yeah, more like, like I, this, we got the, the pace here. The pace is really good. I feel like sometimes the pacing is slightly off. It's a good movie. These are good movies. Godfather's a good movie. I think it's maybe slightly overrated just because of the pacing. I don't know. I don't know if I have attention span for like three hour, and a half hours. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> All right. Um, All right. What, you got one for me? I got one for you. Okay, good. Because I got one for you. In this series of movies, mm-hmm. the three lead actors were asked to write an essay about their characters from a first-person point of view. Mm-hmm. Staying true to her character, one woman went a little overboard and wrote a 16-page essay. The leading male wrote a simple one-page summary, and the supporting male never turned his in. Am I supposed to guess the movie? You can just guess the series of movies. Oh, series of movies. Yeah. Okay. Alfonso Cuaron directed this one. Uh, a lot of people, it's my least favorite in the series. No, it's my like second or third least favorite in the series. But everyone, for a lot of people, it's their favorite. They're like, oh, the first two sucked. And I'm like, I love the first two. Fuck you. Uh, okay, so how many films are in the development? That might me? give it away. Okay. That might give it away. The year. 2004. Damn, and there's multiple movies, so there's one and two, obviously, and you like the he, I think he only directed this one. This is the only one that he directed. Christopher Columbus directed the first two. <laughs> and he also sailed the ocean blue. That he <laughs> was a terrible man, however, the director is a little bit better than right. his predecessor. <laughs> I can help myself. <laughs> uh, oh, jeez. Is it, is it Blade? Blade 3. We need Two. to go the opposite end of the spectrum. No, it's the complete not Blade opposite. at all. There's no Blade. There's no, no Blade. It's no, it's not a comic book adaptation. It is not a comic book adaptation. But okay, so it's, but it's a book adaptation. Yeah. I don't know that many like trilogies are besides like. It's not a trilogy. Rings. It's more than a trilogy. I'll tell you that. Okay, so I don't know any more series. It's Harry Potter. Yep. There it is. I was like, I was like, I was like, oh wait, what is? I can't think. Okay. All right, this Alfonso one... Cuaron wanted to, them to all write an essay. Okay. Emma Watson did 16 pages. Daniel oh, Radcliffe did. did one. And Rupert Grint was probably just like drunk or stoned and never turned his in. That's amazing. <laughs> all right. You ready for this one? Mm-hmm. All right. So this actor only ate fruit to play this role and ended up in the hospital. Is it Christian Bale? No. In... No, but that's a good guess. Is it My Left Foot? No. Daniel Day-Lewis? No. Mm-mm. Was it to get extremely thin, this only eating fruit thing? Yeah, I believe so. I will say this. The movie was directed by Danny Boyle. Oh. Is it oh, tr- no. No, it wasn't directed. The, the, the second movie, the remake, was directed by Danny Boyle. Pardon. Gotcha. Okay. Ooh. It's not train spotting, is it? No. Yeah, because he directed the okay, first one. I will tell you this. They, okay. They, they had one movie, which not good, starring this person. Then they remade it, and it was pretty good. It's the, the second one is su- far superior than this one. Wow. Can I, get a, can I get an actor in it? I can't give you an actor in it, but what I can do is say that this actor was in that 70s show. Is this the Steve Jobs film? Yes. Okay. Yes. Was yes. It, did uh, Ashton Kutcher. He only ate fruit to get he really thin? He only ate fruit and then he ended up in the hospital. Why did it need to be thin? 
didn't. He was Steve Jobs. I guess when he get, went through cancer, probably being like, uh, yeah. That's okay. Right. Yeah, okay. Right. And it's unfortunately, it's unfortunate that the movie sucked. <laughs> we did <laughs> yeah. all that. And Poor the movie dude. Was like, and then two years later, they remade it. It was like, ooh, this was trash. Let's get Danny Boyle on this. <laughs> like, all right. Maybe a couple more? Yeah, let's do like let's do one or two more for okay. posterity's okay. sake. Um, okay. This is a film from 1999. And this film used a lot of razors in their production. A lot of repurposed razors, I should say. Um, one person uses a redecorated razor as a high-tech communicating device. Okay. There's actually a sound bite that they use for some otherworldly machines that were created by running an electric razor around a metal salad bowl. <laughs> what? Yep. Okay. Okay. Give me the year, this fucking thing. 1999. He's okay. You already gave me the year. I was, I was just so no, like... No, you're good. You're good. Off by... And, and, and what happened again? Guys, so, yeah. Uh, the production team created a high-tech communicator by redecorating a woman's razor. Mm-hmm. And also the sound design team created a, a specific sound for this high-tech machine by running an electric razor around a metal salad bowl. And then they lowered the pitch. Is this a Star Trek film? It's not a Star Trek film. But I mean, it's sci-fi. It is sci-fi. 1999. 1999. Communication device. It was probably the most anticipated sci-fi film of 1999. It's not The Phantom Menace, is it? It is The Phantom Menace. Oh, yes! Qui-Gon Jinn pulls out a high-tech communicator, and it's just a redecorated woman's razor. And then to create the sound of the battle droids using their hover tanks and hoverboards, they ran this metal electric razor around a metal bowl. I think... The Phantom Menace is not a terrible film. I think it was a disappointment right. because it had a lot to live up to. Right. But I remember as a child really enjoying it. I enjoyed him as a child too. Attack of the Clones is trash. Yeah. 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 And, and I really enjoyed The Revenge of the Sith. I really like that movie. It's a good time. All right. I got one for you. Hit me with it. This actress cracked her own teeth training for this movie. Ooh. Is it a recent film? It's relatively recent, yeah. Like within the past five years? The past five years. Okay. Is it a superhero movie? No. It's suspenseful. Okay. Can I get, like, the director or Um, anyone who's, like, a supporting actor? Yeah. Have I I seen this film? I think you have. That's my fucking smile. I think you have. Let me see. It's not Wonder Woman, is it? No, it is not. Okay. It's directed by David Leitch. Leitch, I believe. I had to really fight the urge to go... Google David Leach real quick. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you this. Okay. Eddie Marson is in this film. Eddie Marston? No, Eddie Marson. Marson. That, I'm not, I'm sorry, Eddie, but that tells me nothing. <laughs> okay. Toby Jones is also in this film. Sorry, Toby. You're no help either. If I give you anyone else, you it's might. It's going to give it away. Can I get, is there like a tagline that's readily available? Yeah, um, there might be a tagline. Is it a boxing movie? It is not. It's not a boxing movie. She was training. A lot of physical training, I have to imagine. There's a few, yeah, it's a lot of physical training. It takes place in a European country. Okay. And it's suspenseful. Is it an American film or is it a European film? It is an American film. Is this like a G.I. Joe movie? Mm-mm. God damn. It's, uh, you, another hint? Give me, give me another hint. Give me a little morsel, and I'm, I'm, I'm it takes drowning. place in Germany. 
takes place in Germany. Is this a World War II film? Mm-mm. Is this in Glory? No, because that's a takes, World War II film. Yeah, okay, it takes place in the 80s. Oh, is this Atomic Blonde? It is Atomic Fuck. Blonde. Fuck! Yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Okay. Yeah, right. So. That's pretty badass, though. Oh, Atomic Blonde is so dope in terms of all the fight sequences and stuff. Right. The, the, the story is a little crazy, but it's really, right. really good. Yeah, Charlize Theron just fucking kicks right. ass. Yeah, right, She's yeah. so good. Uh, maybe one more from you, and then we'll, I'll give you one more, and then we'll call it a... We'll, we'll wrap it up. All right, yeah, that should give me plenty to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, this film, released in 2015, there are several leads in this film, but uh, one of the female leads was pregnant during filming. All of her scenes were scheduled early on in the shoot so that she wouldn't show too much, and then later in filming, they hired three stunt women that all looked so similar to her that one of her male co-stars said he often would start a conversation with one of the stunt women only to realize after about a minute that he wasn't speaking with this actress. She was pregnant during the... I feel like I've heard about the story. Probably 90s, 2000s, somewhere in that area. 2015. 2015, so is it The Age of Ultron? It is. It's Scarlett Johansson. Wow. Holy shit. I don't Way know to why. go. That was fucking solid. <laughs> like, I've pinpointed the exact... I saw the servos running in your head, and you were like, and, okay, it is the age of Ultron. Uh, no, the like, age fuck. of Ultron. All right, fine, fine, Jesus. fuck. Show me the fuck up. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> I told you, man, anything before 2000, I'm no, pretty you're good right. about. No, you're right, you're right. You give me something from the 80s, I'm like, wait, who? <laughs> who is that motherfucker? Uh, okay, I got this one. This one's a good one. And I'm going to quote this actor. Okay. I guess tell me the actor and the movie. So it's a two-parter. So if you can give me one or the other, I will. I'll give you this. Okay. I pulled out my tooth, knifed my face up, and spent days watching horses die. I didn't bathe for four months. <laughs> yep. That, yep. That's it. You want to so, hear it again? Uh, uh, I, I think I got most of it. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, you started, you're like, I pulled my tooth out. I was like, okay, like, this is definitely the hangover. I knifed my face up. You did what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I spent days watching horses die. Why? And the interviewer was like, Honestly, I'm not totally sure what he meant by spent days watching horses die. <laughs> are, there, are there horses in this movie? I think. Is this, a, it's not a Western? No. Okay. It's not a Western. And these are all things that the actor did? These are all things the actor did. He was very much like method. Is this recent? Is this a recent film? It's recent. Is it with Leonardo DiCaprio in it? Is not that is a very good guess. Sir. Oh, it was like the Revenant. That's where my head went. Yeah. No. 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 I, and I almost gave you something from the Revenant, but uh, I okay. Went, like one like article below it. Before or after the Revenant? <laughs> this is how people are going to date things on calendars. <laughs> <laughs> Pre Revenant, post Revenant. <laughs> that doesn't work because they're both. PR, PR, like right, 2016 PR, 2017, 2017 PR. Yeah. What is wrong with you? Uh, uh, wait, uh, wait. It's before The Revenant, I believe. Okay. Yes, it is. Can I get the genre? It's a war film. Spent days watching horses die. <laughs> the crazy son of a bitch. Is Brad Pitt in this movie? Yeah. This is the one with the tank hunters. Yeah. What is the name of that? Fury. Fury. I had never seen Fury. Yeah, yeah. Who the fuck said that? Shia LaBeouf. 
I should have. Actual I cannibal. I was about to say, I should have gone with the craziest motherfucker right. in the cast. <laughs> yes, like, who, who was that? Actual cannibal Shia, Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf. Yeah, okay, <laughs> good, good, good. Now, all right, we're going to fully wrap it up here. Um, we had a great episode, a lot to talk about, so it's probably going to be one of our longer episodes, but it's a jam-packed week, and we're super excited. Mm -hmm. So, with that being said, let's wrap up. Uh, if you guys want to find me, you know where to locate me. I am Benvolio91 on Instagram. Uh, if you want to reach me at Twitter, I'm B2Jenkins91 at Twitter. Uh, and you can also reach our own page, at Too Many Flicks on Twitter and Instagram. And our email is too many flicks, that's with an X, dot Chicago at gmail.com. That's right. All right, Ian, where can the people find you, brother? Right now you can find me on Twitter at babygotknack, or if you feel like trying to spell, that's what it is, and that's what it will be. <laughs> make me laugh every time. It's the only witty thing I've ever done with my life. Uh, but if you really want to find me on Facebook, you can at Ian Muntiner. I'm not going to tell you how to spell that. That's for me to know Ooh. and you to find yeah. out. Uh-oh. Um, but give us a holler. Tell us what you like, what you didn't like. If there's something that's on your list of uh, recommended movies right. or things that caught your eye, but you don't have the time and you want to know if it's worth your time, you let us know. We'll tell you what we think, and then you can decide to agree with it or... Fuck off. That's, yes. <laughs> or, so or you can disagree. <laughs> or we can just disagree. Guys, we want to say this before we uh, get off here. Uh, we really appreciate you, the support. Uh, we have a lot more things planned down the line. Um, and we look forward to bringing you more content, more things, even possibly having a video along with the podcast. We're mm -hmm. so excited. We also want to give a, a shout out to Video by Zane. Film direction company that was started by a good friend of ours, uh, Zane Rewreck. He is doing awesome work, and he gave us a little shout-out, and we want to give that love back. We love what you're doing, brother. Thank you for everything. Thank you, thank you. All right, and remember, guys, we're Too Many Flicks. We watch all the flicks. So that you don't have to. Fuck yeah.